0: On this edition, this special 400th anniversary edition of Table Talk Radio, W.B. Yates, T.S. Eliot, Praise Song Crunching, and 400 points for yours truly. How? Spoiler Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel.
1: A radio show that takes scripture seriously. Without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to... Table Talk Radio. I don't know that I necessarily want the people to remember my sermon for uh, a week, as much as I want them to uh, receive that Word of God right there. If this is a, uh, a download of information, it's important that you retain that information. Yeah. But if this is being addressed by a, a burning bush, I know that a burning bush talked to me. And I said to the guy... Uh,
0: Look, at, when the Bible talks about vision, it's, it's talking about the death of Jesus. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. It's talking about the gospel. It's talking about confessing the creed. And his answer to me was, yeah, uh, I'm not using vision in the biblical sense, but rather in the
1: business sense. <laughs> okay, then. All right. I, by the way, had no knowledge of that encounter when I posed the hypothetical. <laughs> oh, that's us. Uh you just start. ruined I
0: heard Flammy laughing by the way in the background of
1: that intro. I know. But, I was lost uh-huh. in the in the intro music. Uh so it ruined my open. My open was uh, you know just ruined your your new year's resolution of only listening to good radio shows. This oh, is tabletop that's radio. Nice. That's witty. I know. I only the I best like jokes. You always start with an insult. <laughs> Insults.
0: This is you remember that famous uh that famous poem that ends. Uh, this is how the world ends. This is how the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. What is nope. that? That's some T. S. Eliot. Uh, T. S. Eliot poem. That's by the
1: way. It reminds me of our show. It's how it ends. That, <laughs> but I. But you're you're more of a connoisseur of poetry than I am. Apparently, poems. I just like to say the word him uh, You're you you probably, probably slouching go to the... towards
0: Gamora, or it might be the Second Coming.
1: <laughs> Let me see. You probably go to the coffee shop on like read poetry night. (laughs) Yeah. Can't you see me doing that? T. S. Eliot poems. You probably go and just like, all right everybody, this is Psalm one nineteen, get comfortable. (laughs) You just gotta read it in
0: kind of an artsy and a weak voice. I have I'll uh, see you. Today's poem. My own translation of King David. The warrior poet. Right. Blessed. That's, oh, that, sorry. I even messed it up already. Blessed are the undefiled in the way.
2: Uh, who now... walk in the
0: law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies.
1: In unrelated news, Aurora Coffee Shops vowed to never have Poetry Night ever again. <laughs> Sean. Can you hear my cl- can you hear my snapping? Yes. Anyhow, what's going on? Uh we're going to do some praise song crunching today. Right on. We're going to have like a praise song crunching marathon, but that only comes after we do buzzwords.
0: Okay, my buzzword for you is epiphany. Did I do that last time? Maybe. Uh epiphany means revelation or revealed or uh, I don't know something like that. Uh it is the season of the church year between betwixt uh Christmas and Pre Lent. Everyone's forgotten about pre Lent. Pre Lent is like that uh box of treasures that you have in the attic and you just forgot that it's there. And I you know, always really thought pre
1: Lent was just made up for people who want a longer Lent.
0: Pre Lent is uh the season between Epiphany and Lent. I know what now it that, is,
1: but is it actually is it <laughs> It's a th- historic it's a thing. Yes what do you mean is it historic? <laughs> I, I I thought it was like you know, Fort Wayne Gras, how these people are swinging too many epiphany hymns. And we need to come up with something. How about yeah. uh, Lent's coming well, pre right. Lent?
0: Pre Lent, and then you have
1: pre pre Lent, <laughs> and then basically Christmas <laughs> is like pre 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 Lent. See, we don't do pre Lent, but we have post epiphany. That's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, epiphany. As all
0: the, um, almost every text in Epiphany. Just like every text in Advent has come, Jesus comes, Jesus arrives, and see your King comes to you, and so forth. Uh, all the text in um, all the texts in Epiphany have manifest. He manifested Himself. He revealed Himself. He showed Himself, and so forth. That's what it is. And Epiphany especially has to do with the showing of Jesus to the Gentiles. So it begins with the visit of the Magi uh, or the Magi, if you want it. That way, and they uh, so the Gentiles see the glory of Jesus, and Epiphany ends. This is a new thing. Epiphany ends with the Transfiguration. Uh, do you know that that was a that was a Lutheran I- innovation the tra- to celebrate Transfiguration at the end of Epiphany season? It yeah. used to be Transfiguration Day was like August fourteenth or something, and the Lutheran said we should make it one of the Sundays, and they put it at the last Sunday at Epiphany.
1: That makes sense, I think, because mm-hmm. it's a no. manifestation going on. And it is kind of this pinnacle right before the cross, right? So, um, you have, and that, and even even in the gospel text, you have that kind of flow in the uh, the happenings of the life of Jesus. You have this uh, uh, Mount of Transfiguration, and then Jesus tells Peter, James, and John, "All right, don't tell anyone about this until afterwards." And then that's when he turns his, I believe, that's when he turns his face to Jerusalem, and and uh, we see him uh, getting closer and closer to the cross. From that moment on.
0: Yeah, not long after that.
1: Yeah, right. uh, my theological buzz phrase for you is beatific vision, and uh, I confess I don't know anything about the beatific vision. So I'm going to read a definition, then we'll do a little we'll do a little hashing out of what it says um, okay. from Wikipedia. A in Christian theology, the beatific vision is the ultimate direct self communication of God to the individual person. A person possessing the beatific vision reaches, as a member of redeemed humanity in the cum- uh, communion of saints, perfect salvation in its entirety, i.e. heaven. The notion of vision stresses the intellectual component of salvation, though it encompasses the whole of huma- the human experience of joy, happiness coming from seeing God finally face to face and not imperfectly through faith, as uh, first. Corinthians 13 says. It is related in the Catholic and Eastern Orthodox belief in theosis and is seen in most, if not all, Christian denominations as the reward for Christians in the afterlife. So what do you think of that uh, Wikipedia description of beatific vision?
0: I I don't know. (laughs) I'm kind of half and half. I mean, the idea is the beatific vision is is, is the rapture of being able to behold God. And the, so the, then the idea is, so we do confess, I mean, this is one of the most beautiful pictures of death when Revelation says they see him face to face. So so the idea of to be able to see Jesus face to face, to be able to behold his beauty, like David says in Psalm 27, the one thing I ask for, this is what I seek, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek his face in his temple. That that That's what we're seeking and longing for. And then when it comes into into uh, eternal life and to the resurrection that we would see the face of Jesus and that the face would be smiling on us and blessing us and saying you know well done good and faithful servant that's what we're all longing for now it works its way into our theological practice is the idea that through various spiritual and mystical disciplines we can attain to the beatific vision uh now in this life so like uh, Thomas Aquinas, for example, even though he hadn't finished writing the Summa, he attained the beatific vision, and he no longer spoke after that. He didn't write anything at all. Uh, so to have, this, to have this kind of raptured vision of God's presence, uh, to, and that to be the goal and, and, and kind of game of theology, uh, is a distinctly, I mean, a Pentecostal, mystical sort of thing that shows up in various different traditions, and that we would want to protest against.
1: Uh, too bad Thomas Aquinas didn't have that earlier in life, huh?
0: <laughs> well, I you, don't tell that to the Flammy. He loves
1: oh, the old oh. Thomas Aquinas, man. He,
0: Thomas Aquinas, he says, you mean the theologian?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Does uh, Flammy also believe in transubstantiation by chance? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I have to ask him.
1: Get, him. get him on the line. Oh.
0: Where's the Flammy? He, should be, he's hanging he needs around to here be
1: somewhere. like... We need to have, like, a button on our desk. It's like phone a friend, and it just direct dials Flammy. Yeah, yeah
0: that would be right. It's It'll be like, like a, in the middle of you know, shut-in like Who wants visits. to be a millionaire?
1: Yeah. he will be in the middle of giving communion, uh, transubstantiation communion to a shut-in. And we'll just call, you know, phone a friend, <laughs> rings him in. That'd be pretty There's nice. a
0: big thing about, um, about Thomas Aquinas and um, what Luther would have thought about him if he would have had his writings directly and if the church if the Catholic Church would have been as in as much trouble if they would have had Aquinas directly, but they had Aquinas filtered. They didn't I mean at least up in Germany they did. So. Right, well, what
1: what's the most significant um uh theological idea that we get from Aquinas as from a Lutheran perspective. Where's the Flammy? Get Flammy on the line. I'll go ask him during the break. Okay. Good. Alright was so we're gonna do some uh praise song crunching, and the first order of business whenever we do the praise song cruncher is to tell you what the praise song cruncher is. And this is just something that Pastor Wolfner made up one day. He was uh, lying awake at night and thought, how can I how can I attack praise songs? I think is how that came to be. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I,
0: uh, just, I just haven't been mean enough lately.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I've got too many friends. I think what happened was that... Um, you didn't have a way to critique praise songs because they weren't actually delivering anything false. Is that true? This is.
0: I remember the moment that the praise song cruncher occurred to me. I was exiting I-225, getting onto Colfax, driving over to church, and I was just hung up um, talking to someone. And it was, oh, it was 10 years ago. And uh, someone said, hey, we, our worship committee or whoever, someone in the Lutheran church, had just approved 100 a, a or 200 praise songs for use in in um, in church and they wanted me to get after them and critique them and so I started thinking about it and was having such a tr- troublesome thing that I realized I did not have an adequate tool to do such a thing thus the praise song cruncher was born
1: thus it was born alright well we're going to take a break uh, give you the, the list of questions that the praise song cruncher asks and then we have a list of praise songs to get to all sent to us to questions at tabletalkradio.org we'll be right back
0: Part time hosts, full time nonsense. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com.
1: Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. Hey, Pastor Wolfman, do you want to do something special for our 400th show? Uh, yes. Okay. Well, this is it. So... Oh, hey!
0: <laughs> Let's do a praise song, Crutcher Marathon.
1: All right. It sounds good. They talk
0: nice about Thomas Aquinas.
1: All right. Let's hear it. You, you talked to the Flammy during the break. How come? Yeah. Has Flammy been on these airways? I think, once? Yeah. Is that it? It's the only time yeah. he's ever been on the show? Yeah, he just to prove us? he
0: exists. <laughs> he, can't, he can't handle it. He says, what do I want to throw a millstone around my neck for?
2: <laughs>
1: Fair enough. <laughs> uh, I guess I shouldn't act all that surprised. Um, all right, so what did he say about Thomas Aquinas?
0: He says, number one, his chief attribute is his clarity. Uh, but the important thing to notice about him, he, he makes careful distinctions. He becomes a great compendium of the fathers, especially St. Augustine. He brings them forth. Uh, with great clarity, but he always gives deference to the Holy Scriptures as the chief authority for all theology and doctrine. Interesting. And, 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 uh, Aquinas, um, uh, according to our professor at the seminary, Dr. Coles says, find me, should be considered an Orthodox teacher of the church who always is working to, um, to assert the preeminence of Christ and the doctrine of Jesus. So that, the, you know, the caricature of scholasticism is that it's dealing with all these kind of silly, off-topic sort of questions. But Thomas Aquinas, at least, is not. He's, mm. He has kind of a pastoral eye towards uh, bringing the comfort of the of Jesus to uh, the Lord's people. So the idea is that when you read Aqu- Aquinas, you say, hey, this doesn't sound so far off from our own Lutheran doctrine. Interesting. Um, and that maybe we should claim Aquinas as our own.
1: Mm. That's a maybe a fight for another day. I but should I should maybe read him first before I jump uh, in on that. So
0: Aquinas wrote the Summa Theologia, <laughs> yeah. this big monster sort of thing, but then he also wrote a summary of the Summa himself. So you when you read this, I would yeah. uh, always wanted me to read the summary, and I said no way, I'm going to read the real thing someday. Mm-hmm. And he says, well, look, the summary was done by Aquinas. So, oh, okay. No, so that makes it better.
1: It yeah. seems like I remember a story that you told once upon a time about when you were a server in Fort Wayne and you quoted Thomas Aquinas as the priest coming in there. Is that true? Oh, yeah, I remember that. What was that about? Uh,
0: that was with the idea of that uh, baptism is the... Pl- is No, repentance is the plank which we cling to after oh, the yeah. ship of baptism has wrecked. So they didn't That's
1: think that he had great. actually said that? Yeah, they didn't, but he did. Ah, Okay. Uh, maybe he's not quite one of us. Well, no, you can't. I mean, <laughs> I I only know the bad parts of Aquinas. I don't have actually sat down and I just you know hear a little bit there, a little bit there here, and I I don't know. I just
0: so we should probably. I think it's probably going to start with reading him. Now, what's amazing <laughs> is like I'm reading all these um, Catholic, what I call conscience uh, conscience critics. So they're criticizing the world from the from the point of view of the conscience. So I got this guy Ben Wicker. And then um uh what's this other guy, Jones, who wrote this book, Degenerate Moderns? So and you got guys like Esselin and all these other guys that are writing um uh, uh who, who's the Jay Budashevsky? Yeah, yeah. Revenge of Conscience. All these guys are talking about the conscience and culture and all these sorts of things. There's some great sort of stuff in there. And um I'm picking up on it and Flamin and I are talking about it. He says, Yeah, they you know what they're doing? They're just repristinating Aquinas.
1: Mm. Which is kind of amazing. Now,
0: I got the idea that we probably should just start repristinating
1: Luther, which is which is what, you're doing. what I do all the time. Anyways. Well, the difference is, well, I guess you do do that. But the other thing that you do is just grab Luther in the public domain and then sell it. <laughs>
0: yeah, good idea, huh? Why didn't you think of that?
1: <laughs> all right, that's,
0: that's the, when you go to Barnes and Nobles. That's all they do, anyway. You walk into <laughs> Barnes and Nobles, and like for the first forty feet, all you have is reprinted <laughs> versions of public domain stuff or encyclopedias of just you know kind of mechanics sitting there putting the stuff together. But but uh, you should let everyone know that with this um, what's it called uh, Everyone's Luther Project, you can go and download the stuff for free, oh. just a PDF. So you yeah, can get who, it for free.
2: Who
1: reads 300 pages off of a computer?
0: Well, I put it onto my thing here. What's this thing called? The Kindle, and I do, mm. which is kind of nice. I don't but like also, I have, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm getting used to it. Also, the other thing, as you should know, is that all the missionaries over in Asia are now thinking about because you can have it on, as a, PDF, a free PDF that you download it, and they can start translating it and then publishing it on their own in uh in their own countries so that yeah. hopefully this can be the start of some that's cool something quite nice
1: remember when we went to madagascar and um, we we're learning about the resources they have and they at the at the time that we were there um did not yet have the formula translated into malagasy oh, man. can you imagine yeah. trying to be a lutheran pastor without the formula of concord no <sighs> i mean boy talk about taking things for granted <laughs> I mean I mean for most Lutheran pastors the book of Concord is just collecting dust but oh, uh no. th- there are Lutheran pastors in Africa that are starving to get this I mean this just in from 1580 you know <laughs> it's uh, just I know. amazing
0: I I think th- I I've I've decided uh, coming back from Asia what we one of the things that our our mission board can do is just have a list of a basic basic Lutheran resources that ought to be in every language and um and to say these are that these are our this is our top goal is to produce these resources because once the resources are there, they stay there, you know even if you've got to pull missionaries out of the field you 're able to leave the stuff behind mm-hmm. so I mean, we really have to praise God for all the people that have done the work of translating um Luther into english and then and it's just i mean it's recently now that we have more and more of the orthodox fathers chemnitz and and Gerhardt being brought into English just now, I mean four hundred years later in English, but to say, okay every every church where we have a sister church ought to have at least the book of concord in their language plus and then make a list i don't know what you put on it but probably bondage of the will greater galatians major portions of luther's genesis commentary the first volume of chemnitz examination of the council of trent um peeper's dogmatics or a summary kind of a dogmatic summary uh that should be in in each language and And then just start so you can see what's on the checklist, how far we've gotten. And and so that even if we have to pull people out of these uh, places, we're able to leave these gifts behind for the people to read. Now, when I was in Taiwan, they were telling me that you read Luther, translated into Chinese, and he sounds like an evangelical. He's talking about making a decision for Christ, having a personal relationship with Jesus, stuff that wasn't there in Luther. But because it was translated by Uh. people who weren't Orthodox, Luther sounds like a pietist. In Chinese. Now, can you imagine how how could you see what an uphill battle you're working on? Because if we can't take our Orthodox theology and pit it against the kind of cultural streams that we're facing, what what even what hope do you and I have Uh, so that these churches are at such a huge disadvantage without these resources?
1: Yeah, no kidding. Well, good deal. Well, let's uh, move on to the special 400th episode of Table Talk Radio. Oh, yeah. We're going to do some praise song crunching. Now, here are the questions. We're going to go through them kind of quick because we've done these before. Uh, The questions are Jesus. Is Jesus mentioned, yes or no? And if yes, a name or concept. Number two, mystical form. Does the song use sentences with subject, verb, and object? So the idea is if you lack sentences, like if you say the golden warm sun setting on the ocean... Oh, that's a sorry. That's a verb. <laughs> the golden <laughs> yellow sun. Um, then it, it creates an impression, not actually making a truth statement. Um, yeah. rep- repetition. Is there is there a lot of repetition over and over and over and over and over, and over again? Uh, mystical content. Does the song talk about the immediate experience of God touching, feeling God directly? Or does the song use romantic imagery, a loss of self? Is it talk about the internal a uh, thing of God rather than God working on the outside of me? Does it talk about the subjective matter, what what uh, what God has done, or is it about me? That would be subjective. And then law and gospel, does it distinguish between the two? And false doctrine not already addressed. So that's the express lane of the Praise Song Cruncher, and that's available on our website at tabletalkradio.org. Click on Articles, and there's two versions. There's the Praise Song Cruncher 2.0 and the 2.5 um, those are just, really? oh, yeah, all kinds of different versions of the Praise Song Cruncher. Because uh, we're looking for like, the perfect formula of calculation, if you remember. Mm, all
2: right, so we got an that.
1: email here. Who's this from? Uh, from Joe in Minnesota. He says, Reverends Wolfmiller and Gigline, a friend sent this to me the other day, and I can't stop listening to it. I'm not sure if this fits better with Preaching to Hollywood or Praise Song Cruncher. But I trust that my third and fourth favorite Lutheran radio show host can figure it out.
0: Third and fourth favorite? Hmm.
1: Who are we behind?
2: Hmm. Mm.
0: It doesn't matter as long as it's not Dinofro and Swirla.
1: <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Now, uh, I'm going to play it. I'm not sure this is a praise song, but you let me know, Pastor, what, what you think. Okay. Oh,
2: yeah. No doubt. God's word is inexhaustible. Let's get it. Why do we start? You see the arms the in the right of the now. Bible, triune, without rival. Triune? Yes, one nature and three persons. Father, Son, and Spirit, same essence, unique, working. How do That's you move from the only true evidence to 66 books of the Old and New Testament? Why did he make oh. us? He made it for his pleasure, to glorify his name and enjoy him forever. What? All right.
0: oh, bad Calvinist <laughs> Christian rappers. <laughs> no, Westminster <laughs> Confession set to verse. <laughs> I think there's some irony in the fact that the Calvinists began by not singing any hymns outside of the Scripture, and now we have the wrapping of the Westminster Confession. Is that well, what how, this is, for Why were we sure? created? Yeah, I, I'll double-check, but I'm pretty sure that's the first question of the Westminster Catechism. Why do we exist and uh, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? Isn't that what it said?
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, um, let's analyze that. <laughs> um, I've always—I I've always, I mean, even even when I heard that— growing up somewhere, that never really set right to me. I mean, uh, that, that God, as if God is like, you know what I need? I need some more people praising me. And if I had more people praising me, then, then I would be fulfilled. So I'm going to create people to, to praise me. Um, rather, I think it's the other way around, that God created us out of his love for us, that we would be objects of his love. Um, that might be a better a better way to take it. Well, uh, we're already on our second break, believe it or not, but we're going to talk a little bit about the song. More are song crunching right after this.
2: so you can
1: buy me a boat. The most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk radio.
0: I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast.
2: What happened? So God made Adam and Eve perfect, deceived by the serpent, they then received curses. How did that affect us? It left us for dead, because Adam represented us as our federal head. Our federal head? It means we're born sinners as well, and apart from God's grace, we're all headed for hell. What's the good news? The good
1: news that's is That's the God's theology Q&A with received. Stephen the Levite. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. What and What is we that are-
0: federal head doctrine? Uh, that's um, something there.
1: Yeah, we should. Uh... There's
0: also interesting, it's, it, I mean, it was articulating the Trinity, one essence, different works. That's We've got to be careful with that, by the way, because we talk about the works of God internally and externally, and the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are only to be distinguished in their internal work, not their external work, so that the Father begets the Son, this, the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, but all of the works of God to the outside, what we call the opera ad extra, indivisus suit they're undividable they're they they're one now the 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 kind of di- difference when we talk about that is that t- we do say that did the father die for us no was the spirit incarnate no that the works of the of redemption accomplished um through the human nature of jesus belong to the second person of the trinity um, but again they're not done apart or against the will of of the Father and the Spirit, so just a slight caution on that. And I bet you there's some dangerous danger in this. Whatever that word "federal" is, I bet it's some reformed kind of way of getting at original sin.
1: You're right. Just, yeah. So I again, Wikipedia to the rescue. In an article that cites no one else but R.C. Sproul and uh, John Piper, it uh, says in Christianity, this concept has been used to explain the concepts of the covenants found in the Bible, in particular. It has been applied to the passages such as Romans 5:12 uh, through 21, explaining the relation of all humanity with Adam as well as the relation of redeemed humanity with Jesus Christ, who is called the last Adam. According to this understanding, as humanity's federal head Adam brought the entire human race into sin, misery and death due to his disobedience, Christ in his perfect obedience to God the Father earned eternal life and blessedness for all his people <laughs> there's a that is interesting isn't it yes, so so, the, yes. so the, the difficulty with romans 5 for a calvinist is that you have li- this doctrine of limited atonement so that christ didn't die for all and romans 5 says just as adam brought sin to all so uh christ's death brings justification to all uh and so now you, you're stuck with if you, if you don't believe jesus died for all people that that analogy doesn't work out too well. So I I wonder if federal headship is uh, an attempt to try and explain this false distinction. Yeah,
0: I don't know. That's in, that is interesting. Calvinism, by the way, uh, parents, if you have kids under 10, you might want to turn the radio off for 30 seconds for this illustration. Calvinism is like your your young cousin at the party who is who's eight years old and has decided that it's the most fun thing in the world is to sneak up with a smile and punch you in the crotch you know you're like you look at him and you're like oh man they're so cute i haven't seen you in a while good to see you then (laughs) blam and he laughs at you you're like what the someone restrained that kid that's Calvinism, man. You're like, oh, so, you guys sound really, really Christian, and then, blam, limited atonement, <laughs> punch to the crotch.
1: I mean, in some ways, uh, they're a, f- a breath of fresh air in the midst of evangelicalism, and see, then some- cool. something like federal headship comes along,
2: wham. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling
0: you. Now, by the way, speaking of Calvinism, that is they were quoting in this hymn that we're listening to, the Westminster Shorter Catechism, 1647, question one, what is the chief end of man? Answer, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, this thing that you had problems with. I mean, the catechism goes downhill from there. But that's the problem. That's the problem you got with it.
1: Well, I guess mine was more from the perspective of why did he create humanity? That's a slightly different question than what's our chief end. Um, I don't know. How would you, how would you critique that line in the catechism?
0: I don't know. It's fine. I mean, to, what did it say? Glorify God and praise Him forever. That's, I mean, it's true. You know, our, our end is not in ourselves, but God is the, you know, this is, um, this idea of the chief end is important. It has to do with um, these f- f- causes, the four causes of Aristotle. What's the goal? What's the telos of humanity? And our telos is to glorify God. That's what—that's the beatific vision.
1: All right. Well, we need to. Um, I got—I got that, by the way. So I'll give yeah. you. A, that's pretty natural. I'll give you four hundred points for using that buzzword. Dang. Um, let's get some real praise songs in this okay. edition of Praise Song Cruncher. This is submitted by um as i pull it up here uh... i can do my
0: poetry collection uh, correction no, 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 by the way no, 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 that's okay i was quoting t.s elliot the poem is the hollow man listen this is the way the poem ends you should know this so you're not be so ignorant ready <laughs> this is the way the world ends this is the way the world ends this is the way the world ends not with a bang but a whimper
1: now you're not so ignorant. Didn't we used to say that you're all not, the time? Now I, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the,
0: the poem, The Second Coming, by the way, is by Yates, W.B. Yeats, uh, Yeats 1919. And that has this end, which says, uh, we're vexed to nightmare by a rocking cradle, and what rough beast its hour come round at last slouches towards Bethlehem to be born. That's really that's kind of haunting thing, but different, totally different poem. So, so I confuse the two.
1: Which uh, Aurora coffee shop is having the next poetry reading?
0: Oh, we do it here, you know, the poem <laughs> uh, in the in the pulpit. I just
1: read poetry. All right. Well, a, a mystery emailer, uh, which I don't blame people for wanting to be anonymous, was they write into the show, writes, uh, I checked your list and found an entry for Oceans, but it's a different song. My church has been singing this Hillsong song for a while, and I was wondering what you think of it. P.S. On a related note, maybe you can add a criterion to the cruncher. Does the song include annoying juvenile contradictions like want or or, sorry, contractions like wanna or gonna? For me, that's enough on its own to crunch a song. (laughs) All right. So here's a song called Oceans. And in in the parentheses, it says where feet may fail by Hillsong United.
0: pretty makes me want to
2: cry
0: it makes me want to keep crying
2: (laughs) just
0: keep it down at that level don't here here it comes i know i don't need to be all riled up I was in a coffee shop mood anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <all right>. well,
2: <laughs>
0: now you can't stop. This lady has kind of a haunting voice. <laughs> exciting i bet
1: yeah well it continues so i will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the waves when oceans rise my soul will rest in your embrace for i am yours and you are mine spirit lead me where my trust is without borders let me walk upon Uh the waters Wherever what is you that would without call borders? me that's
2: weird <laughs>
0: spirit without borders it's interesting
1: that my trust would be outboard, so normally the move of mysticism is making God without boundaries, but in this case it's making my trust without boundaries in any case yeah. hmm. um whenever uh wherever you would call me, take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will make me stronger in the presence of my Savior Spirit lead weird. me where my. Trust is without. Oh, this goes on. Oh, yeah, that's pretty long.
0: Repeat, 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 oh, repeat, repeat, Oh, repeat. that's all the
1: same. Yep. Okay.
0: It's all the same. Yeah, and then at the end, yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus, yeah.
1: <laughs> you can't have a praise song without a yeah in there somewhere. Yeah. All right. I so will call
0: upon your name.
1: We've, let's get started on a crunch. We got about a minute and a half before our break. Uh, the first question is: Is Jesus mentioned?
0: Yes, at the end. Yeah, oh, Jesus, yeah.
1: But that saves it, right? I mean, other than that. No no mention of Jesus. Well, there's Savior, in the presence of my Savior.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, uh, the Spirit is mostly here. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Spirit, lead me. Then later on, Spirit, lead me. Then in the next verse, Spirit, lead me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, so the next question is mystical form, which we look at uh, sentences and repetition
0: repeat seven times
2: yes (laughs) i think
1: um
0: um i think it's mostly sentences i will call upon your name and keep my eyes above the water when oceans rise now it doesn't make any sense um i mean the picture by the way the picture of this uh song is peter walking on the water right so jesus jesus is walking by the boat on the water and they are all they freak out because they think it's a ghost. And he says, that's me. And then if it's me, let me come out. And then Peter walks on the water. But then he, he, he looks at, he sees the waves, and he starts to sink. Help me. And Jesus reaches out and picks him up. So, mm-hmm. so the idea is we've been called to walk on the water uh, spiritually, not literally, but spirit, You know, in the soul, our soul water walk. And the way to do it is to keep our eyes on Jesus and not on the waves of soul trouble. So this is the, this is the mystical content of the thing. See? Mm.
1: Well, I noticed, um, and maybe I'll get your response in the, on the other side of the break. In the praise song "Cruncher," we engage the question of mystical form in its lyrics, but that doesn't yet address anything about mystical form in its music either. Maybe, ah. maybe I'll get your thought on that after this. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Yeah.
0: Best show ever. Table Talk Radio. The daily Bible meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out.
1: back on Table Talk Radio before I get your uh, thoughts on mystical form and music you have a message relay from Pastor Yeah Flammy
0: came in here during the break and he said hey 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 don't forget to say that Thomas Aquinas wait yeah Thomas the theologian as he said does er okay. he gets things wrong he wants he doesn't want the hate mail Yeah don't hate don't hate Send on Flamy. The- Send him the hate mail, anyways.
1: <laughs> PR Flammy at hope <hope-aurora.org>. dot <laughs> Or if send it to me; I'll forward it to him. No problem. In fact, we'll just link his Facebook account right to the. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, what do you think about uh, musical form in music? Is that a factor?
0: Yeah. So we noticed it? You know, you notice the change as it amps up and the doom, 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 and as the song is, it's moving you. You can just feel it. You know, if you're, especially if you're listening to it um you know you're, you can just feel how the music is there to manipulate you and tell you what you're supposed to think about the
1: thing you know something that um we don't I don't think we've talked about but it is it is um well I'll just it, it's a fascinating aspect you know we talk about the praise songs a lot we talk about how they're you know made to sort of um move you but one thing that we don't talk about very much is when you go to the praise and worship service. What you'll find is, um, you know, people kind of uncontrollably raising their arms in the air or their hands in the air. What's behind that? What, 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 what is that? What is that doing in the mind of the evangelical? You, you can tell me because you probably did this when you were. Oh yeah,
0: man, I know. So this is how you this you, the the worshipper's posture during the praise and worship is one of receptivity. You got to be so you are there to be touched and moved. And so you, there's this. You're kind of you're trying to achieve a posture of surrender. So your eyes, you're standing. Your eyes are closed. You're music, You're moving with the music. You're singing out the words. That's why they're so repetitive. So you can sing them and repeat them and over and over again. And you're swept up into the thing. And then you want to, you know, you um, you you kind of wanna. Um, part of the surrender is you're, you're, you're also kind of surrendering control of your own body. Now, this is in different degrees. So like most evangelicals, that surrender is going to go kind of start at my shoulders and go out. Mm. <laughs> so mostly the place that I'm going to surrender is my hands. And my hands are going to go up or they're going to go out or they're going to reach up. And th- and this is just an ind- it's just a posture of surrender then in the more charismatic churches you're you're even more surrendered so you're giving up even more of your self control so you're you're the 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 expression is even more ecstatic hmm. so that's that's what's going on so you want to you're trying to you're you're trying to tune tune in your body to the to the spiritual reality of the songs themselves
1: i think the the mystical form in this song is uh is the uh the repetition uh, we you said seven times. I look at this uh, this video that was sent to us, which has, by the way, twenty six million views, <laughs> and the song really is nine minutes long. I mean, it takes a while to go through all those seven repeats of stanzas.
0: Oh yeah, and I imagine if you watch it, uh, it gets even more ecstatic as it goes on. It's mm-hmm. one of the. It's just one of the marks of the thing, the mm-hmm. praise song. Mm-hmm. It's just how it's supposed to go. Yeah well look we're we're here criticizing it because we're suspicious that this is not godly, but you now for those of you who say that we're being unfair to the Hillsongers, this is the problem is that that's this is this mysticism is what they're going for. I mean this song could have been brought to you by the praise song generator that just follows the cruncher and instead of using it to critique it, uses it to write a
1: song <laughs> i mean right so know? so when we accuse. A praise song of not having, um, ob- objective, tangible uh, promises to cling to. The praise songwriter says, "I know, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I wanted it to appeal to one's feelings. That was the goal." Yeah. Yeah. We say to the Hillsong,
0: "Say, man, this song's really mystical," and they say, "Oh, thanks, yeah, I appreciate thanks, that. Glad you noticed. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, really nice."
1: So, so, th- so the difference is in, uh. Our understanding of what a song in worship ought to do. So, yes, in, in our perspective, what a song in worship ought to do is deliver the promises of Christ. Objective: What Christ has done for me, rather than right. invoking an experience where I think that I'm uh, in the presence of God, which is, which means I'm feeling God in my emotions. Right.
0: So the only reason that you that the praise song cruncher would, in fact count as a cruncher rather than an exalter <laughs> is if you had the is if you had the lutheran idea of the external word right, right. i mean that's why the only people that really are upset by the praise cr- song cruncher are the lutheran pastors trying to foist the <laughs> praise songs on the poor people yeah and still cares. cling to the name lutheran look <laughs> t- look guys guys don't get mad just Go be mystics. I mean, for heaven's (laughs) sake, if you're a mystic, go be a mystic. And if you're a Lutheran, be a Lutheran. (laughs) Don't get mad about it. Like, hey, hey, it's mean for you to call me a mystic. Uh, Well, it's mean for you to pretend to be a Lutheran.
1: (laughs) All right, let's get to mystical content. uh, Looking at the uh, uh, words, is it... um, Sensing God, feeling God, touching God directly, romantic, loss of self, internal. What what form of mystical content does this song go after?
0: I think, well, so first of all, it's some. It's a, It's a. not a literal thing. It's a picture, which is fine. It's fine for what it is. But what is the picture is the my soul walking on the ocean of troubles. It's always ocean. Man, ocean is great for mysticism because, I mean, it's like the perfect symbol for the it, mystical idea. You know, we huge. are a drop absorbed in the ocean. It's huge. Uh, it's wet and salty, you know. It's like a huge <laughs> tear. The ocean.
1: What would be uh, I, I need something wet and salty as a picture of mysticism. It's full of
0: fish poop like mysticism.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it 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 you, uh it it's water that dries you out. Mysticism. <laughs> So uh, yeah, this is the old picture of the mystic as the drop of uh, the the um the water the bucket in the ocean, you know, just getting the little thing being absorbed into the hole. And, uh, and so here the you have the ocean, and now I'm walking on it. I'm but I'm walking on the water like Jesus. I find you in the mystery, and ocean deep, my faith will stand. So the ocean is a picture, I suppose, of this troubled life, and I by faiths walk on top of it. Because you've called me out there. I don't even really know. Uh, you keep my eyes above the water. When the oceans rise, my soul rests in your embrace. So there I'm hugging Jesus as we're walking on. The, I mean, can you get a better picture of the mystic? I'm embracing. Uh, my soul is hugging Jesus as I walk in the oceans of this troubled world. I mean, mysticism. Come on. If you can't see it, then I see it. To more table talk. I suppose. It's there.
1: All right. My um, soul
0: will rest in your embrace. What does that actually mean? My soul will rest. Does that mean literally Jesus is embracing my soul? No. Spiritually Jesus is embracing, well, I suppose. But how is he doing that? Well, you know how he's embracing your soul? It's this this is the mystical experience of being directly grabbed a hold of by God. Do you see? Mm-hmm. So here comes Jesus to or the spirit or I'm not sure who, but he comes and he he spiritually Wraps his arms around your your innards.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's the that is that that's like the that's like the perfect prototypical picture of the mystical experience. That's what the whole thing is driving for. And how and how in this song is that happening? What's well, happening as you repeat the stanzas over and over? You're actually ins- experiencing that that soul embrace. Mm.
1: I mean, it, so w- another way to attack this is to ask the question: Where do we find God? And, um, of course, the answer that you typically get is, well, God is omnipresent, so God is everywhere. Um, but, but, but even the mystic doesn't necessarily think that we encounter God everywhere. Because listen to what the first three lines of the song say. Um, you call me out upon the waters, the great unknown, where feet may fail, so it possibly could sink, and there I find you in the mystery. So the place that God has found is not everywhere. It's in a particular place where there's this kind of mysterious experience going on. Um, Now, uh, again, go ahead.
0: That's contrasted with the last lines of the chorus or the repeated stanza over, which says, take me deeper. So you have a mixed metaphor there. So we're floating on top, but we're being taken deeper. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And then my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. So what's the mystery? The presence of my Savior. And what's the pre- how is the presence of my Savior made manifest? Well, this goes back to the great misused text, which is the proof of the praise song that God inhabits the praises of his people. So in the very act of singing this song, I am brought into the presence of my Savior where I feel his soul embrace. Mm,
1: yeah. So, so, uh, In reality, what God does is—I mean, imagine, as kind of a mean trick, you're sitting up like high on a bookshelf, and you tell your little toddler, come get me. I'm up here. Just come get me. And, of course, the toddler's going, I can't go that high. And that's, in essence, what the mystic uh, expects—I mean, that's the picture that we get God doing with the mystic, saying, I'm up here, just— Ascend to me, and you'll experience my presence. In reality, we're stuck here on earth in the finite natural world. But what we have in the, in the scriptures is that God breaks into our physical world and attaches himself to things tangible. So he doesn't expect us to ascend away from this physical world, but he puts himself into this physical world, namely in his son Jesus. Uh, and then he attaches these promises to bread, wine, and water. We got about 10 seconds, Pastor.
0: Paul says the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down from above or who will descend into the abyss to bring Christ up from the dead. But the word is near to you, the word in your mouth and in your heart, the word of faith which we preach. That's Ah, the the truth.
1: That's great. Well, thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio,
0: where the points are impressively imbalanced in my Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. (laughs)
1: Side effects may include I nausea, and vomiting. we have Evan the Hittite, the zero, <laughs>
0: <synthesis> <laughs> with <laughs> aquatic imagery, psychosis, so and the the cancer, brain tumors, <laughs> four hundred, internal, internal combustion, a sudden craving <laughs> to smell your back seat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.